welcoming back an old friend. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 353 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by English Dan. Hello and welcome. And Andres. Hello and also welcome. And you just missed Noel by a second. Uh, He was just being taken out of the room as I switched the microphone on. The old friend in question is not on the podcast. It's somebody who uh, some of our listeners might have heard of. Um, Maybe one day we can get him on the podcast. He'll have to learn English first. From what I gather. I don't think we're in a position to be setting conditions. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be quite a coup. Uh, and indeed, we're going to be talking about that, uh, a coup of a different sort involving him um, in a very short while. But first of all, I'm going to take you through the results from the Superliga weekend just gone. Lanús beat Central Cordoba 1-0 at home. Defensa Justicia and Banfield drew 0-0 in Florencio Barrena. And in La Plata, Belezarsfield got a 1-0 away win over Estudiantes. That was all on Friday evening. On Saturday, Argentinos continued the binary nature of the scorelines by beating Gimnasia 1-0 in Villa General Mitre. Uh, in Bajo Flores, San Lorenzo broke that binary nature by winning 2-1 at home to Union. In Paraná, Patronato got a 1-0 win over Independiente. And in Avellaneda, Racing beat Godoy Cruz 3-1, the champions' first win of the league season, I think, yeah? Indeed. In the fifth round. Yes. Um, on Sunday, Atletico Tucumán beat Arsenal de Sarandí 1-0. Colón and Rosario Central drew 1-1. Tacheres got a 2-1 home win over Aldo Sibi. Newell's old boys thrashed Huracán 4-1. And River Plate and Boca Juniors in the Super Clásico. Drew 0-0 in the Monumental. Boca getting a 0-0 away victory there, we could say, uh, given the approach that they took. We're going to talk, I think, about that one first of all. But of course, first of all, to explain, um, just before we started recording, about an hour... I'm going to say an hour and a half before we started recording, uh, Gimnasia y Grima La Plata, who lost 1-0 to Argentinos Juniors at the weekend, as I've just mentioned, and who, subsequent to that game, I think I'm right in saying, um, sacked Hernán Ortiz as their manager. Was he caretaker after Pedro Troglio had left? No, he was proper I manager. I think he was... Yeah, I think he was Troglio left a while ago, yes. Hernán um, Ortiz was sacked, and he has been replaced 90 minutes or so ago by Diego Armando Maradona. We're going to discuss that in a short while, but first of all, the Super Clásico. Um, we moved this recording to Thursday specifically so that Dan could be involved, so that we have an absolutely definitively uh, non-River voice, because I'm aware that a lot of you still consider me a River fan, even though I keep calling myself a sympathiser. Um, but before we get into that, let me mention our sponsors, Fanatis. Fanatis is the best service for all of you lot who are listening to this, because if you like Argentine football and you live outside Argentina then presumably you want to be able to watch Argentine football and you can do so 
For if that is, for a small monthly fee, you can get the whole of the Superliga, both live and on demand. You can also get the Copa Argentina. And when it starts later in the season, you can get the Copa Superliga. Uh, if you're in the United States, then through their tie-ins with BN Sports and Gold TV, you can also get the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana live. Um, they are in talks, I think the last I heard at least, was that they were in talks to also get some uh, second division, that's Primera Nacional, matches uh, on their platform this season. And they've also got a whole bunch of other stuff, Colombian League, Bolivian League, uh, the Chilean League in, in some countries. And uh, if you're in the States, again, via that package, then live you can get La Liga, um, League Un and all kinds of other stuff. Handapod listeners can get a seven-day free trial and 20% off their first three months by going to fntz.co slash H-O-P and signing up with the discount code H-O-P-F-Z. So get over there now. Again, that's fntz.co slash H-O-P and the code is is H-O-P, sorry, F-Z, H-O-P-F-Z. Thank you very much to them for supporting the podcast. If they confirm that they, they, they finally are the broadcasters of the Primera Nacional, <clears throat> that would be, would be great for, for supporters to watch players like Carlos Valenzuela, the one who we have been talking about, but yesterday again uh, shined on the 5 mil victory of what we could preview, have previewed that they will beat Bolivia, 5 mil, but Valenzuela was one of the high higher points. Yes, for the under-23 national yes. team, yeah. Uh, who we will be talking about briefly yes. in a short while. Um, so the Super Classico, gents. I have a feeling, having watched it, although I didn't predict that it was going to happen, but I, I think the most um, my own personal assessment of the approach that Boca took to it was that Gustavo Alfaro has got one eye on the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores and kind of set his team out to maybe play the way that he's planning on playing that first leg because the first leg, of course, is also going to be in River Stadium. And I think he'd be quite happy if Boca came away from that with a clean sheet and maybe nicking away goal. They did start to get a bit more attacking in the last half hour or so of the game. But up to that point, um, River were utterly dominant. And you, I mean, while some of that was that River were playing better than Boca, you couldn't really say that it, the tactical approach was divorced from that, shall we say. I don't know what you two thought. No, I think if you... Go back and listen to last week's episode. Uh, there was one guy who predicted a terrible nil-nil draw, <laughs> um, and and yeah, it turned out to to be that um, after a succession of superclasicos, which have actually been all right, pretty entertaining at least, uh, full of drama and we've had a few goals. This was kind of a return to type, um, the kind of really dross tense derbies which no one really enjoys least of all the neutral um, which is you know not something exclusive obviously to Superclásicos it's something that's fairly uh, common in all derbies you know when there's when there's too much to lose really um, but yeah from a neutral perspective it was it was really dire really really quite uh, desperate to watch uh, River did a little bit more I don't think they they were particularly impressive either um, particularly since they were essentially given the ball by Boca and who said, look, yeah, come and play, come and attack us. And they, they patently didn't. They had a couple of chances, but nothing really to, 
to get excited about. Um, from Boca's perspective, I'd agree with Sam that definitely um, this was Afaro's first uh, Superclásico. I don't think he's even had a friendly one, right? No. Because last summer, because of all of what the stuff that happened in Madrid, uh, some somebody saw sense and didn't uh, didn't organise a friendly uh, Superclásico, which would have been absolutely terrible. It was. I think it was this fifth or sixth match against uh, Gachardo as manager mm. but the first in a super classical of course he was Huracan boss before indeed so. yeah yeah um, so obviously from Afaro's perfective the first super classical um, I think we all know enough about Alfaro from from his days at Arsenal his days at Huracan to know he's not a guy who's going to get carried away with the situation and think ah this is a, a big game we've got to go all guns blazing let's go it's just you know, an away game against one of the strongest teams in Argentina. Um, we should also mention he had um, some sensitive absences, uh, as they say, in uh, Mauro Zarate, Ramon Avila, and uh, the other guy who's just moved, Salve. Eduardo Salvio, yes. were all missing through injury, um, which was obviously not ideal, so... Uh, Boca in the end played with just the one man at front which wasn't Carlos Tevez despite his recent fairly decent form he was left on the bench uh, in favour of young Jean Hurtado uh, the Venezuelan ex gymnasia kid yeah with Franco Soldano kind of when, when, the, yeah. when the, the lineups were announced it looked like Boca were going to be 4-2 four, four because I mean Soldano's a big-ish burly-ish Number yeah. nine. And but it turned, it turned out, out to be Alexis and Solana, both wide midfielders, with. yes. Uh, no, it was safety first. He had three guys in midfield, in De Rossi, Marconi and Capaldo, yes. that's the name, right? Who were kind of more geared towards stopping the ball than uh, than scoring. And they did it pretty well. I thought um, they played the game. Um, Boca wouldn't, wouldn't be uh, upset with the draw at all. And there was... A brief period in the second half where they had a couple of chances as well. I think uh, I can't remember who it was, but Margaiter had one, and then Davis and they a free kick. Yes, and Armani made a couple of decent saves. Um, so yeah, I think I mean, obviously they'll they'll be looking to show a bit more in the Copa semi-finals because going at least into into both legs with that kind of attitude is extremely dangerous. Um, I think River 2 is it's an interesting one because it's a team you always kind of think you see them one game and they destroy opposition and then they come out the next day and and they can't hit the a cow's backside with a banjo um, especially Nico de la Cruz this guy who just Mercurial I think is the word Mac- that we're looking for with de la Cruz <laughs> Mercurial brain damage. He, he can be know, brilliant, like, and sometimes he can be. I've said it before. I just, I just don't think strange. there's any connection between his brain and his foot. <laughs> he sort of just swings at the ball, and and it could end up anywhere. Obviously, I mean, we saw the good side of that midweek when he scored a cracker. Well, it was last midweek, or am I going back too far? Um, yes, it was last midweek against yeah. Robertinho. Against yes. Robertinho, exactly. That was his last week. It was. It was last Thursday. It was seven. I had a brief doubt whether it was the second or first leg, but it was the second, yeah. So that was a good side. And then, just such a bewildering player to watch because 
he just has games where he does everything wrong and it seems to kind of what about that, that, rush off on the rest of the team and then that the that team that scored you know six goals away to Racing um, and then again dominated the possession against Boca it is worth and just pointing can't out hit that. the target on one day from the next it's, but as, as it's I said weird. as I kind of hinted when I mentioned the different tactical approach at the start Racing afforded River a hell of a lot more space than Boca did no of course Boca, it's, yeah. especially in the first half I mean it, it's surprising um to, to see a, a derby between not only the, the country's two biggest clubs, but also at the moment, we said it last week, I think it's still fair to say, even after a disappointing match between them, the two best sides on the continent, um, in which one of those sides goes in so tentatively, let's mm. say, uh, and in the interests of balance, as a BBC announcer might say, uh, we should point out that Marcelo Gachardo's first Super Clásico, away to Boca Juniors, he did the same thing. Um, and he, he the, the, the river, river players kicked Boca players uh, and they got the, the one the nil nil result they were looking for exactly. and then they beat one nil with that beautiful goal but Piscolici and playing much better but yes in, in, the, in the 2014 Sudamericana yes. semi-final yes. Um, it, it's, it's still sort of partly surprising to see it maybe um, but you know for that first half maybe the first hour uh, Boca defended really you know they, they, they did what they'd been told to do very very well uh, mm-hmm. in a way that Racing didn't <laughs> no yes. um, against River uh, so it's yeah I mean but I do know what you mean that they it River strikers do tend towards the erratic at times when, that's, when they don't that's what I was getting at and I also look. kind of wonder whether the decision to start Lucas Prato um, turned out to backfire a little bit because I think he was given what was it, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes against Cerro Porteño last week uh, as a way, I thought, of sort of helping him to play himself into fitness. He's, he's been out injured for a while. Um, to get Matt Sharp ahead of the Super Classico, and I don't think he was Matt Sharp, and I, I think that that kind of affected the momentum as well uh, in the first half, as much as De La Cruz just being off it again. De La Cruz has been a really funny one because he's, he's had a fantastic Copa Libertadores and a very, very ordinary year since the start of the year, not just this season. As um, I say, it's a very, very strange. But, but like, I kind of thought, very strange. I was anyway, kind of expecting him to go, right, well, this is a big match, so we're going to yes. step uh, it up. Anyway, and about De La Cruz, uh, for the match against Cerro, I think he was angry, because before that, the match he had been taken by the police. Mm. Uh, so he had to declare against a judge. We didn't mention this yes. uh, on last week's hand apart because he broke yeah. before uh, we, we I think we recorded it like before three and a half years ago or something yes that um, he apparently uh, uh, kicked or, or I know what he did to a police in a in the under uh, 20s Copa Libertadores that he was playing for Liverpool <laughs> so there was kind of a scrum around the referee yeah. after a decision or after the end yeah. of the game or something and yeah. the police waited in to protect the referee and several Liverpool players yeah, yeah. Uh, ended up clashing with the police and since then, apparently, De La Cruz has had an arrest warrant out on, uh, in Paraguay for him. Um, and well, he went back of... to uh, Paraguay once, I think, with Liverpool yeah. before, he, um, before and, he left Rivera. And also, there's an extradition treaty between Argentina and Paraguay. As, as they really wanted him, yeah. Obviously, River fans were pointing this out. Uh, it, it was a pretty blatant, concerted attempt to just distract River ahead of this game. Also, the judge who, who brought this request last week I, I, I'm repeating this not because I'm conspiratorial but because I find it amusing 
um, was a, a former Cerro Porteño player or a lifelong Cerro Porteño fan or something. He's definitely a former player because he's got Tacheres. Apparently, he's Tacheres all time. Most uh, he's played more matches for Tacheres de Cordoba than any other foreigner. Ever. Is that right? But yeah, the same the same judge who, who put this arrest warrant out on Nicolas de la Cruz. Um, and yeah, it was all tremendously entertaining. And then, and then of course, De La Cruz ended up scoring the winner, as sort yes. of seemed set in yeah, stone from the moment they decided to win. Donofre had said, "Well, if you provoke provoke an Uruguayan player, you will take this." Mm. Uh, and yeah, but about De La Cruz, and I, I will say this only: uh, before he scored this these goals against Sara Porteño and, and, and for Copa Libertadores uh, he scored apart apart from this from for against uh, Inter- international I think the Porto Alegre mm-hmm. for the group stage and, and that he's playing uh, overall he's playing I think I would say better not much better and but before this when De La Cruz uh, uh, grabbed the ball I was like oh but now mm-hmm. I, I think he will do anything interesting even when the the play perhaps ends in nothing because that he potentially now he, he's showing other things but yes it's like uh, sometimes you want to uh, stand in ovation give a state stand in ovation and others you is, is you want to punch you in the face yes. um, um, yeah. but uh, about the the Super Classico I think that it reminded at least me of the previous ones the perhaps last decades or previous decades in which it was more normal to end in nil nil there have been uh, some stinkers yeah yes the, yeah, yes. the, yes. the because the last ones have been just the opposite uh, open with a lot of goals and entertaining at least not I, I, will say, I won't say great or well played but at least more, much more entertaining and Boca of course well they, they played like that uh, trying River not to be accurate and they won't they weren't accurate because with, of course if you have uh, a lot of people will say that if you have the ball you have more possibilities or, or more potential uh, uh, to win and, and but you have to be a great of course River wasn't no absolutely um, as a prelude to the Libertadores court, uh, semi-finals because as we didn't mention last week because it wasn't entirely 100% certain but as is now 100% certain we're getting a replay of last year's final it's River against Boca in the semis this year in the Libertadores the other semi-final I've already forgotten uh, which one of the Porto Alegre sides got through Gremio and Flamengo thank you so Gremio are the side who did get through but we are denied a Porto Alegre Clásico because Flamengo put Internacional out um, fairly comfortably if I remember right in the end wasn't it Um, I will say it's 1-1 yeah it's on the first leg to Flamengo and 1-0 in the second leg Um, I I would say they are perhaps of course uh, I don't know uh, if there is one bigger than the other, but I think Flamengo is slightly the favourites. Hmm. Yeah, to win. but based on what everybody's been saying yes. about their performances, this I mean, I've seen various performances from both clubs, but certainly they seem to be the, the media favourites to reach the final. Um, but as, as a prelude to the semi-final, I think it's a, it was a really interesting one, because by the time the semi-final actually comes around, uh, both sides are going to have some, some key players back. Boca should have... Uh, Ramon Avila and you would think Eduardo Salvio because I don't think his injury was too serious he should have those two back which is going to be a, a huge boost for them and River should be a little bit less reliant on De La Cruz's mercurialness because they should <laughs> have reality. they should have in theory um, the only reason no not the only reason go and get a Fanatis subscription seriously uh, but one of the main reasons to watch the Argentine Superliga and the Copa Libertadores should be back for River I speak of course 
of Juan Fernando Quintero. Do you think he'll make it back in time? It's going to be very risky for the second leg, not for the To chuck him into a game like that against an Alfaro team, no less. Well, I don't think the Gachardo would would stick him in the first leg if he's only just fit and hasn't played any football prior to that. Uh, but Andres, he was saying he looks to be fit for the second leg. Yes, because he will, by that time, he will have been totally uh, recovered, I, I will say, one month before that, with no football on his, mm. oh, with no rhythm at all. So he's, yeah. he's already been just been training with the ball again for his, like two weeks or something, hasn't he? Yes, his recovery is at the normal uh, time. Uh, they say they are seeing this, the, the doctors and all, everything, and... and yeah, they, they are like trying to make him be fit and with some rhythm, of course, training rhythm, not football. Or perhaps uh, in the reserves, uh, perhaps to have some minutes and that to, to be fit for, for the second half. Yes, mm. How's mm. his waistline looking? Because even when he's in oh, peak condition, yeah, hopefully he's, he's, uh, he's, a, chubby, he's a chubby lad. This could be something to watch. No, no, hopefully no, for no. River, he hasn't put too much weight on while he's been out. But um, he, he, well, I mean... He scored, ultimately, what proved to be uh, the winning goal in last year's Libertadores final, because although Gonzalo Martinez's goal to put River 3-1 up in extra time gets all of the the fans' memories, let's not forget that Quintero's goal was the one that actually put them ahead uh, in the tie. And his goal against, sorry, Racing, is uh, in the final for the Puskas Prize, uh, Mm. with Messi and another, who I don't remember, uh, a bicycle kick. I think Messi will win, but well, it's okay. It's not fan-voted, is it? Or is it? The nominations are nominations are, but the, the actual prize isn't. So they're going to give it to Messi, probably. Yes. Nice we'll see. Yes. Anyway, uh, shall we move on to the rest of the li- the, the league weekend? Indeed. Um, any other matches that stood out for you guys? Dan, you must be really pleased with Racing finally getting a win, in spite of some- <laughs> somebody still managed to do something stupid because Jonathan Cristaldo got that red card with like a minute to go. Yeah, that uh, was a bit harsh. But by uh, and large, is Eduardo Caldet safe for another couple of weeks now? Yeah, I mean, I said last week that at least until the end of the the year, it's not going anywhere. Um, the calendar year that is not the not the end of the season. Hmm. Um, it's a relief, I guess. Um, I mean, if Racing didn't beat Goy Cruz, they might as well just give up now because they're absolutely dreadful. They're really, really, really bad. It's it's hard to to underline just how bad a football team they are mm. and yeah Racing always looked in control uh, scored a very very nice team goal to open the scoring um, the guy converted it it was a fractionally but it's very it's, it's one of those which I always say the offside rule should be written so as to allow those goals but it isn't I mean yeah and I think we all know with the, the, like, the new offside rule without VAR is extremely difficult to, uh, exactly. to enforce, so yeah, you know, benefit of that and all that. Um, the goal was scored by Dario Svitanic, or Baby Svita, as they call him around Racing. But it was actually all about Leonardo Sigali, wasn't it? It was about stepping around those first two challenges. That like, was very nice, yeah. Franz Beckenbauer, and then really but there was also one touch play. But um, I mentioned Svitanic because A, he's got the goal, and B, because I think he's. His return made a a world of difference um, for Racing. I think I might be wrong, but as far as I can remember, this was his first start. He's uh, he came in with a muscular injury or something like that, and 
has been kind of appearing off the bench and and he just gives a touch of class. He's a very, very, uh, very silky, I think that is the correct adjective, uh, silky football player to watch. And he has a l- lovely partnership with, with Lisandro Lopez, another very silky player. Um, and yeah, there was just silk flying around the pitch. The, the um, second goal was well came from a penalty that shouldn't have been awarded. So really, I mean, in terms of legitimate goals, Rassing defender kicks Vitanich in the leg and he falls over. I mean, I've seen worse penalties given. I didn't see a kick, but yes. okay, Daniel. Like scrapes down the back of his Achilles. What <laughs> should he have done that from behind as well? What do you want? And we, we, yeah. we can't say anything because of the bar thing, of course. Because if you if River any River supporters saying. That any other team has been benefited, mm. but indeed, it's indeed. all a conspiracy. Yes. Uh, but, but no, Diego Gonzalez's header on the, what, like the first minute of the second half, or the last minute, of or the, the last first minute of the first. Time. Yeah, what yes. yes, that's right. It was the last minute of the first. It's just down here is forty-six minutes, but yeah, it, it was it was into that side goal on the television, wasn't it? So it was mm. still the first half. Uh, was I mean, apart from being hilariously badly marked. Um, was the goal that really ended up putting the game beyond Godoy Cruz. And as you say, they, they really didn't have any comeback because they're just not a good team. No. Um, but from Racing's point of view, you know, it, it's a game that they needed to win. It's a game that, looking at the quality of the opponents, they should win. Yeah. And it's a game that they won. So the champions are, are up and running and, and particularly probably since, aren't going to defend the title. But Particularly since now their next game, um, which we'll obviously talk, obviously talk about a little bit more in next week's podcast, but... I can just say now that it may have taken on a new dimension from what we may have suspected at the start. Yes, it might have done. It will be Gymnasia away, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. So a lovely, a brilliant oh. kickoff time for our European listeners. Oh, bloody hell, that means we've got to actually watch it as well, doesn't it? Oh, I'll be watching it. Yeah. I'm sure you will, yeah. But yeah I if I wake up. Um, I try to make a point of not watching the 11 o'clock Sunday kickoffs because... I have a policy that they, they shouldn't be taking place at that time. Indeed. Anyway. And they, I think they may well try and move the game as well to uh, capitalise on... Oh, you mean move the stadium rather than move the kickoff? Exactly. Or move to a different... Move stadium, the venue, I say, not the kickoff. Move the stadium, yes. obviously. But, yeah. um, Which would be interesting. Yes, we will discuss why that is in, in just a second. Um, but the other main results, Defensa y Justicia's nil-nil draw with... Is that a main result this year? Really? Well, I mention it because their nil-nil draw with Banfield means that Banfield are also... Um, I don't know whether they've appointed, unlike Gimnasia, but they're looking for a new manager because Hernan Crespo was sacked mm. the day after. Um, Fancioni's been linked for the 6th or 7th But appointed as a manager, or I will say... It's a sports secretary because manager perhaps in... Yeah, sporting director. Yeah, director of football, whatever. Um, San Lorenzo got a 2-1 win over Union, which was pretty standard stuff, really. We're, we're finding out now for San Lorenzo. And Bruno scored even against his yeah. former club, again. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned last week that, that Bruno... Pita, uh, Mauro, Bruno, yes. Bruno, sorry, yeah, I get them mixed up because they both signed for San Lorenzo from Union. Mm. Uh, that Bruno Piton, the left-back... Um, had scored more goals. Did I say last week it was one goal in his last two seasons for yes. Union, and now he scored three in his first five appearances for San Lorenzo. Five. Um, from all from left back still. He's not you know been moved forward to play on the left wing or anything. <laughs> um, thank you for reminding me of that one, Andres, because I'd forgotten that he'd done it again. And uh, San Lorenzo's first goal was also scored by a brother. Yes, it was. Would you like to tell us who Dan? 
uh, either Angel or Oscar Romero. It was, it was Angel, I know. It was Angel, yeah. I was unsure at the start because I was half watching the game. It was an early kickoff, right? Th- those oh, those oh. two twins, by the way, I've got. I can't remember. Let me check the kickoff time, I actually. Don't but I think uh, it was. Uh, which day was it? 3 p.m. No, it one. was on Saturday, so Saturday it was, early. Like a, it was the, yeah. one of the uh, 3.45, I think. Um, but yeah, those two brothers, the Romero brothers, have got names that will, just to take a bit of a tangent, um, that will. Uh, squad number purists, such as myself, <laughs> will adore one of them and be infuriated by the other because Oscar, as he should do for a player of his quality mm. and uh, gifts, wears the number 10. And his brother, Angel, is wearing number 92. Why? Why is he wearing number 92? He shouldn't be. Perhaps he Ridiculous would thing. rather have had number 11. But Yes, 9 plus 2. Yes. Exactly. But since San Lorenzo already had a number 11, maybe, uh, he had to take 92 to add it up and make 11. If San Lorenzo do have already have a number 11, then he wasn't in the match, uh, the match squad for this one. So if, if you're a San Lorenzo fan, you know who's playing number 11 for San Lorenzo at the moment. I mean, San Lorenzo have about 92 but, players anyway, so... But really, I, I, I am angry with that hell for that <laughs> number decision, if indeed it was his choice. But Tuta wants, well, I think for Roma, Rome, uh, that he put two, two uh, numbers, like a 9 plus 2 or something like that, but really uh, mm. in, in his t-shirt. Uh, well, like the famous one is, is Samarano, Samarano, right? Yeah. Uh, Inter, yeah. who, who was number 18 and put a little plus between them because ah, he yes. was so annoyed at having to cede the number 9 to Ronaldo. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah Newell's beat Huracan 4-1 with a, an impressive performance. Huracan were really poor, I have to say. Um, but Newell's were, were very good. They took a really early lead through Mauro Formica. Um, Christian Lema scored twice, Once. a header from a corner and a penalty, uh, deep, deep, deep into stoppage time. I'm not sure why he took the... But when he took the penalty, I thought, am I misremembering from earlier? Like, was he on a hat-trick and that's well, why they that's, let him take the penalty? That's because he made a mistake for the goal for Huracan. Ah, and that's why he to tried up. to make... Yes, uh, to win 2-1, we will say. That's nice. Um... And the other goal came from Angelos Garoni, which is not, who is not a player that I was familiar with prior to that goal. Uh, but Newell's, again, much like San Lorenzo, looks surprisingly good this season um, so far. They are, whereabouts are they in the league? I'm now kind of scrolling down the league table and I'm not getting to them. No, that's because I scrolled past them too early. They're sixth, uh, just four points behind the leaders who are San Lorenzo. Boca Juniors are second with 11 points, San Lorenzo on 13. Uh, Tacheres and Lanús and Patronato all have 10 and are 3rd, 4th and 5th on goal difference in that order. Newell's old boys Arsenal, uh, who slumped to a second consecutive defeat after winning mm. their first three games. So maybe they are going to be in relegation trouble after all. Um, I mean, it, was log- it was logical after you said, no, they're not in relegation trouble this year. Yeah, uh, Newell's Arsenal Central and Argentinos are all on 9 points. Uh, and then we start getting into the teams who aren't taking the league that seriously, such as River. No, but they didn't. Other teams <laughs> who are, such as Belas. Rosario Central didn't lose. They they drew three three consecutive and, and yes, won the last left. Central did, yeah, but Arsenal yes. won three in a row and then lost. Ah, two. yes, yes. Um, and those those four teams: Newell's, Arsenal, Central, Argentinos, um, mm-hmm. are all on nine points. Both Central and Argentinos actually are still undefeated, though they've, they've won two and drawn three each. So well done to them. Um, Boca are the only team who have yet to concede so Alfaro's got 
something going for him there, at least. Indeed. Congratulations to him. Um, shall we move on? Why not? Oh, hang on. Relegation struggle, right? Because this is directly... So in the relegation table... As, as I mentioned, Newell's old boys are doing well, looking clear of things. I've said, oh, in spite of those two straight defeats, are still third in the average points table. But that, all, of course, could change if they lose too many in a row. Um, but Newell's are in 19th place. The team's 22nd, 23rd and 24th are the teams who are going to be relegated. Um, Banfield are just above it, along with Colón. They've got 68 points from 57 games each, Banfield and Colón. A, a point below them and in the relegation zone are Rosario Central, with 67 points from 57 games. Central Córdoba, newly promoted, 5 points from 5 games. And just like Central Córdoba, also with a point per game, 57 from 57, are Gimnasia, mm. who have taken, let's say, the big risk um, of appointing Diego Maradona as manager. One quick thing before we get into Maradona. I can yes. confirm that San Lorenzo's number 11 is Ezequiel Ceruti. Ah, there we go. Injured, He's injured, that's why he wasn't in the squad. That does make sense. Well done. Um, yes, Gimnasia's under... 11 points under Colón and Manfield. Yeah, and they've only got one point so far this season from their opening five games. Uh, so they have taken the, the, the risk, I said, the, the gamble, it might be fairer to say, of appointing Diego Maradona as manager. Yes. And we are going to discuss that right after this commercial break. It's not a commercial break, don't worry, it's just some music. Gimnasia um, have appointed Diego Maradona as manager. I'm going to start by surprising a few of you. Some of you will be aware that when Argentina appointed Diego Maradona as manager in 2009... Eight. Was it eight? Eight. Yes. Yes, that's right. It was late 2008, wasn't it? He was in charge for like a year mm-hmm. before qualifying for the World Cup. Um, obviously, Hand of Pod wasn't running, nor was my Twitter account or anything. But those of you who knew me or who posted on the same football forums as I did at the time will be um, aware that, and, and indeed those of you who have listened to the pod since, uh, that um, I've always considered Argentina to have not had a manager uh, during the 2010 World Cup. Um, and I stand by that because at the time, Diego Maradona wasn't a football manager. But if you appoint Diego Maradona today, in fairness to him, and in spite of my fundamental disagreements with a lot of what he says and does as a person... Um, they are appointing somebody who has since that opportunity for the national team that he shouldn't have had um, in fairness to him stuck with it and actually made a thing of being a football manager yeah he has a track almost continuously largely track record he's been here and there he's had varied success Um, we should say you know again uh, in fairness to him we have no idea what's going to happen at Gimnasia to be fair, I think even Pep Guardiola or Jose Mourinho would struggle with the squad they've got right now. But in Dorados, he made a pretty good fist of it. He um, he got his team to the final of, of each mini-tournament of the Apertura and Clausura and lost to the same team, which were uh, 
much stronger than everyone else, really. Atletico de San Luis. In the second division. Yes, the second division. Uh, Mm -hmm. And obviously, because the Mexican league is is like that, uh, very much a a closed shop. Only one team goes up every year. But if it were were a normal league, let's say, uh, he would have probably taken them to to promotion. Mm. Um, And yeah, by all accounts... um, he was loved there, and and he got on well with everyone. Um, seemed to get uh, some very good performances out of the guys. Um, the good thing about Maradona going to these weird clubs is that suddenly their games appear on on Argentine TV, and they were interesting enough to watch. Obviously, it's it's the Mexican second division isn't a particularly high quality, but I'd say. From Gimnasia's perspective, they've almost got nothing to lose with this. I mean, obviously, relegation's on the line, but their team is so poor at the moment, so bereft of, uh, of morale, of quality, that uh, any of the usual suspects that, that could have come in to, to take this job, the Forestelos, the, all these guys that just seem to bounce from lower mid-table club to lower mid-table club, mm. uh, probably wouldn't have done anything to to stem the tide and as, as Andres puts it just after we switched the microphone off uh, at the half time break Ricardo Caruso Lombardi probably wasn't enjoying the announcement today yes. Very, yeah he must have thought this this is the job I'm I'm, I'm destined for mm. um, at the very least I mean um, I think you have to live in Argentina really to to just understand the the impact of the Maradona name especially in in football players, right? I mean, yeah, I mean a, in other countries a, you think Diego Maradona is a big name, but when you come to Argentina, I, I think so this is a guy who's going to walk into their gymnasia dressing room on the first day, and everyone is just going to fall on your feet, even as just a pure motivator and nothing else. Mm. Um, these guys are going to have a little bit more uh, more in the tank. I, I think that you tweeted something about the Maradona going to the Diego Armando Maradona stadium. And they have just played one each other. Yeah, I didn't realise that when I tweeted yes. it. That's such a shame. Yes. Yes. Because I'm sure they would have let him walk out onto the pitch through the tunnel, which is also a yes. giant inflatable him. himself. Yes. And it would have been great. Yeah. It's Diego Maradona uh, going to the Diego Maradona team. Yes, it's great. Yes. And possibly next year. Or in the Copa Superliga, right? There could be oh, an outside chance. Yes, yes. It would be weird to have them play Argentina Juniors away twice in one year, but... Yeah. Who knows? I mean, maybe they can arrange a, a summer friendly or something. It would be great. It really would be great. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think this is going to be be very good fun. And as I uh, suggested before the break, Racing are going to be the first club to take on the Maradona Typhoon in La Plata. In La Plata, we don't know which stadium yet because I'd imagine with the interest this game is going to get. Gymnasia Stadium might just be a little small for and such a m- momentous event. And we have had a question, uh, or rather, I had a question on Twitter when I announced this. On I didn't announce it, you know, but mm-hmm. when I tweeted about it mm-hmm. um, from my own account, uh, saying, you know, what reason is this? Like, is this about money? And actually, by the Gymnasia board's own admission, it is partly about money, about the publicity that Maradona can bring to the club um, and about selling tickets, selling merchandise, 
um, and so on, but by that, by virtue of that name being linked with the club. Um, so th- that idea, yeah, of moving it to the Estadio Unico mm-hmm. probably um, is not wild. Although obviously, Gimnasia do actually have a stadium that they can use at the moment, unlike. Uh, another club we could mention in La Plata, but I'm this, this. Yes. Anyway, there are two things. One we know for sure, and the other that we don't know. The, the one we don't know is how he will uh, do to to manage the team because when he left the Dorados, it was because he had some problems, some issues with his health, and he still had that those problems. He has to need. He need, still needs to go under surgery, I think, and and. There were some rumors. He's had one and he's due another one. Yes, he's he's had, he had a knee up in July and he still needs one on his shoulder, I believe. He's uh-huh. still he's getting around with a, with a cane at the moment. But the other one, the other thing, and is that for sure the, the players will listen to him. Hmm. And if if they weren't good at uh, at uh, Ortiz, if if Maradona says Martin Arias go and uh, uh, and play as a striker, he will do it. So uh, that's for sure. Yeah, that, that's the, the one quality that he has always had, even yes. when he wasn't actually a manager. Um, you know, the, the motivation and the fact that these players grew up idolising him uh, is, is a big thing. I mean, in, in my opinion, that's the main reason why his spell in charge of Argentina was, in the end, results-wise, kind of as, as dignified, in inverted commas, yeah. as it could possibly have been, um, was because at least, if nothing else, the players were, were hyper-motivated to go and play for him. Uh, He's like always getting the best direction. His latest job here, Joe, was I think he was he went to a training session at Riestra, could be Deportivo Riestra. Yes. Yeah, he was director of football. He, he gave them half-time motivational talks. I think it was for three matches or something mm. when they were in the. I think it was Primera Day at the time, so that's the fifth division, mm. um, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, they are a, a tiny little well as, as I've just implied by pointing out they were in the fifth division they're a tiny little team and they're um, the closest stadium geographically located to San Lorenzo's stadium because it's pretty much right next to it but they're now in the Primera Nacional again if I remember right I think they are yeah yes. so, let me just check Maradona did you know those motivational talks didn't go too badly no I guess so yeah, there's other reasons why Reta have climbed so so rapidly through the leagues as well but that's yeah. That's a story for another day, I think. Yeah, they, they were Let's promoted. just say it's all down to Maradona. Yeah. Why not? They were promoted, then they, they think they went back to the Primera Metropolitana, and now they are back. They are third the... in Group 2 of the Primera Nacional yes. after three matches. Yeah. yeah, they went down two years ago now because of what happened in their last game of the season three years ago, um, where they invaded the pitch, yes. caused the gap. Against communication, yes. cause the uh, the tie to be suspended, and then yeah, got a something like a fifteen point point deduction. Mm, that's right, fifteen yeah. point yeah. point deduction. That doesn't sound right, but we'll roll with it. Fifteen um, point deduction. Better. Anyway, back to Gimnasia. They are. I have the relegation table up just now, and then in checking where which division Riestra were in, I've just got out of that relegation table. That was silly of me. So Gimnasia are at present. Obviously, we're going to ignore Central Cordoba de Santiago de Estero because they're only up at the moment. But Gimnasia, 10 points behind Rosario Central, who are also in the relegation zone, remember. Um, they're 10 points behind Newell's, so in spite of me having mentioned that they're outside the relegation zone, that's because, of course, Newell's have got a game in hand. Mm-hmm. They've only played 56 games because they were Independientes' second leg opponents when uh, that... So second round 
of the Superliga opponents when that match had to be postponed due to the Commebol saying, no, right, you've got to play the Copa Sudamericana on Tuesday yes. instead of... Uh, so that had to be postponed. So as a result, Newell's have played one game fewer and are currently out of the relegation zone, even though if they lose that game away to Independiente, then they would be level with Central needing a, an all-Rosario playoff um, to decide who goes down. Um, so Gimnasia are 11 behind Colón and 11 behind Banfield. And it's interesting, because like, looking at the number of points that those teams have won this season so far, you wouldn't say it's impossible for Gimnasia to make that difference up. Gimnasia have only got one point, but Colón and Banfield have only got four each. So it's not as if, you know, like last season when Tigre were, you know, a mile behind at the start of last season, we were thinking, I mean, they could do it because they're, whatever it was, like 12 points behind these teams. But after five matches, Tigre already had... 12 points and the teams that they were 12 points behind had like two each or something so it was like if they keep doing it at this rate then they will overtake them by the end of the season Gimnasia won't on the current rate but if they get any kind of boost from this then it could start to look interesting because I mean 10 games or 11 games is, is only 4 wins and you wipe that out they're probably not going to beat Racing you would think but if, we there's shall any, see, we shall see. if there's ever a good time to play the defending champions in your own stadium Mm-hmm. then playing Racing right now when they're still even though they beat Godoy Cruz at the weekend still relatively fragile could be it I don't know what you think uh, obviously we're going to talk about that game in more detail next week when when it's actually about to be played because this is international weekend but um, it's it, it's a strange one yeah it? as I said before the break it it gives that game uh, a different dimension it's what was previously just another fairly run-of-the-mill match against one of the worst teams in the division now becomes a huge, huge deal. Um, you know, Maradona's going to be there. Mm. Again, playing against one of the two teams in Argentina he has previously coached, of course. Indeed, yes. Um, if you want to hear more about Diego Maradona's career as a manager, uh, including the sort of aborted beginning of that career... Um, then you should become a Hand of Pod Patreon supporter. Uh, because Patreon supporters this week will get a little potted history of Diego Maradona as a manager. Um, we're deliberately not doing it, going into it in too much detail on this podcast, but it's the kind of thing that we, we like to do um, for our Patreon supporters. So Hand of Pod Extra this week will include that. If you want to sign up and find out what that's about, then you can go to Patreon. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash hand of pod. Thank you for the opportunity to plug that down. Um, and another thing that Gimnasia still have to do this season is they have to play Estudiantes. And as the television that we've got on in mute in the background just a couple of minutes ago, very briefly, had a headline announcing, uh, Estudiantes president, Juan Sebastián Verón, um, doesn't have the best of personal relationships with Gimnasia's new manager, Diego Maradona. I'm not really sure why this is. Didn't they fell out very in a well charity won. match or something but like that? Or, it's something really Well, they were already falling out and then fought in that game. It's, yeah, I mean, Verón was one of the linchpins of, uh, of Maradona's 2010 World Cup sides, we should remember. Mm. In, the, in the absence of Raquelme and Cambiaso, any other top draw midfielders, it was kind of, I think it was the first EDF mass was, was for... Verón, in fact. Nice. No, uh, no. Oh. I think, no, I'm pretty sure it was Verón. Which, Ma- oh. which Maradona, our first years, uh, his team was Verón and Tenmo. 
over Messi and everyone. Yeah. If I remember that. But then something happened we, in the actually, interim to, to sour relations. We've actually got the footage now on the television because they've decided to go back to it of one of Maradona's first games in charge in, in 2009 when Verón was brought on for Tevez and the Argentina supporters in the Monumental, I think this is the World Cup qualifier, yes, um, whistled Verón onto the pitch because in, in Argentine national team terms, Verón not a very popular person. No. Uh, by virtue... <laughs> of the fact that he happened to be playing in England during the 2002 World Cup and Argentina did poorly. He was playing. Swing, yeah, yes. he was playing yeah. in 2002, yeah. Um, and, and Argentina did poorly, yeah. And, and he walked to, to England, a corner, apparently. Uh, for which reason he's he called a traitor. Mm. Um, in fact, I remember very shortly after I moved to Buenos Aires, Dan, you and I and Australian Dan went to an all-boys match together against mm. Estudiantes. And, and people were very much abusing Veron every abuse. time he got on the ball. Um so yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting when they play each other. I've just tried to look up when they're playing Estudiantes, and this app at least isn't showing me their future fixtures, which yeah. is a bit annoying. Um, I think I have a, I have Gimnasia's fixtures. Go here. on. Can you find the date for their game against Estudiantes? I can try. Hold on, loading. Here we go. They are playing Estudiantes de la Plata at home mm-hmm. on the weekend of. The 2nd of November. Oh, right before Estudiantes, or right before or right after Estudiantes opened their stadium at last. Let's see. Not that that's relevant <laughs> to the fact that they're playing in Gymnasia's ground, of course, but uh, interesting. Okay, we'll move on to Lister's questions, I think. Oh, no, hang on. Let's talk for a second about the national, national team. team yeah. uh, because I was forgetting, probably in, in part because I have kind of have in my head that most of you listening probably aren't too bothered because it's only friendlies uh, but we should mention <laughs> the under 23 side as we mentioned earlier um, we, we said a week or two ago when the squads were announced that they were playing friendlies and we couldn't find out who they were against well they played Bolivia and they beat them 5-0 with that Ezequiel Ponce hat-trick um, was that last night or two nights ago yes last night yes. it was last night so it was on today's Thursday as we're recording this so it was on Wednesday night because this mm. will be going online probably on Thursday or possibly late tonight, depends on how long it takes me to edit. Um, and do we know who they're playing in the second friendly? No, it's Colombia. Colombia, thank you. Yes. Whereabouts? Are they in the States as well? No, no, I'm sorry, you mean, you mean the national, the major national team? The under 23. The under 23, they will play here. Ah, right. In Argentina. Okay. Good. So where, where was this game against Bolivia? Uh, last night and then play on Sunday where? against Colombia. Where? At Banfield. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was here in Argentina? Yes, yes, oh, okay, also, right. Yes. I, I did not realise. Um, I don't think anyone realised they were playing. No. It was not very well uh, promoted, of course. No. We were lucky the manager turned up, I think, in the end. Um, but the main, the full national team are playing Chile in two and a half hours' time. Kicks off at 11 o'clock Argentine Ugh. time, which I think is 9pm local time, because it's in Los Angeles. A little bit later, right. I believe. Or, later about. or earlier? L- you think they're further behind, right? Earlier, so, earlier. Yeah, so eight, about 8pm eight maybe. It's in three hours time. It's 11.30pm. Uh, yes. Oh, it's 11.30? Yes. I thought it was at 11. Oh, no. for fuck's sake. Oh, bloody hell. At least, it, uh, according to Romero's, it's half an hour later. That's what I wasted. I think they've moved that, because I'm sure that they announced it for 11pm when I put my local bar poster together on, on Monday. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, and then they are playing, after they've played Chile tonight, obviously I'll let you know the score. Uh, at the end of the, the theme music because it's only a friendly so there's a good chance that some of you won't have bothered to check it and I don't blame you um, they then play next Mexico. Monday 
on Tuesday, I think. Tuesday against Mexico. Uh, we will be reviewing both of those friendlies, of course, next time we record. Because yeah, I mean, I have to watch it tonight. To uh, if you want to be on next week's Hand of Pot Down, then oh. I'm going to insist on it. I'm so tired. Or at least make sure that you watch the Mexico game. I'll, I'll start watching at half eleven. I can't guarantee <laughs> that I won't fall asleep. My, my girlfriend's going to be going to bed. If it's at half eleven, then she's going to want to go to bed at about halfway through the first half. Lucky um, her. That's, that's quite irritating, because that means I'm going to have to see her off to bed and then <laughs> probably miss part of the game. Oh dear, what a shame. Um, anyway, how are we, what are we expecting? Because what I've gathered so far from this afternoon is that Scaloni was hoping to put out a largely second-string side for this evening's game, or tonight's game, and then put out a full-strength or closer to full-strength side on Tuesday, but the European clubs who've let a lot of the players go have had a word with the AFA, and he's had to reverse that. So he's putting out the full-strength side or largely full-strength side tonight, and then is going to planning on reversing that for, yes. for Tuesday. Yes. Is that right? We yes. can be expecting at the very least... Because they want to get their players back as fit as possible. Yes, obviously. we can be expecting at the very least um, an almost empty stadium and some very, very, very angry... Uh, United Statesian promoters because, because Lionel Messi isn't yeah but even if he wasn't suspended he wasn't going to be playing no indeed and uh, pretty much no one goes to Argentina games unless Messi's playing and I think I saw the the current statistic or the the most recent information was that they managed to sell something like five or six thousand tickets which isn't much Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very, very sparsely attended. Game. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, and I think the majority of those are going to be Chileans as well. Of course. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. It'll be interesting to see. Well, yes. but and the Chileans have been training in a, in, a, in a hotel because they they had problems with the the pitches there in, in I think in Los Angeles. So it was a hotel room with uh, Bravo saving balls. Oh, wow. It was hilarious. Yes. So between that and the fact that Scaloni wanted to put out a reserve side and has been kind of bullied into a full-strength team, both sides are taking this really, really seriously. Really seriously. Uh, Andres, I, that appears to be a starting eleven you've got in front of yes. you. So yes. what does it look like? Just it, out of interest? In fact, the, the, the time has been moved to half an hour later. Ah, good. Okay, I'm glad that that's and yeah, so the, to give people like, more time to get yes. in. I'm going to message the owner of the bar that I do the posters for now so that he knows. Carry on, Andres. Meanwhile, read out yes. the starting 11 while I'm trying to find him. Yes, the, the, the only debutant will be Martinez Cuarta, the, the back from River Plate, and, and will be Marquesini in the goal, then Montiel, Martinez Cuarta, Otamendi, and Tailafico in the back, of course. The middle will be Lochoso, Paredes, and De Paul, and in the, in the attack it will be Lautaro, Dybala, and Correa. Joaquin Correa, I think he Joaquin, is. Right? Yeah. Yes. One of the Correas. Yes, yes, one of them. Um, and well, apparently Otamendi was going to be in the second friendly, but he won't be part of it. He had some problems, personal problems, so that wa- that's why he decided to include him now. And well, we will have to see what happens next. Mm. So he has personal problems that mean he can't play in the second game, but he can play in the first game. Yes, it's what? he, he can't problem with this won't game? be able to be in uh, on Tuesday. Uh, the future is he planning to have a? F- Personal problem? Yes. Has he been told by Man City that he has he won't a personal be, problem? He won't be able Is to he even still at Man City? That's what I was about to say. I think he's signed for somebody else, hasn't he? Oh. I don't think so. No? You mean Otamendi? Yeah. Hasn't he? No. I, th- I thought he'd been told he was surplus to requirements at City. 
If anyone knows what personal problem Otamendi is going to have uh, next week, <laughs> please let us know. Uh, Nicolas Otamendi. Oh, right, okay. His English language Wikipedia says that he's playing for Manchester City. His Spanish language Wikipedia says... Oh, okay, that he is playing for Manchester City. For some reason, I thought he'd, he'd it was gone elsewhere during the, the later, transfer yes. window. He's obviously not first choice there anymore. Um, <coughs> and, right, because Man City let Vincent Company go. Vatson Company. Company. Uh, they let him go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Otamendi has decided to stay after all. Oh, this is August the 1st. I've got a Sun headline here uh, saying that, in fact. So that's only a couple of days ago, so I'm not that far out of yeah. date. Good. Um, shall we do this as questions? Yes. Good. Right. Ronnie Mazunda says, can you guys predict Maradona's staying time as Gimnasia head coach? No. Um, no, we can't. He's well, been a contract until the end of the season. Yes. I think it'll last till the end of the season. Unless something very crazy happens, which there yeah. is always potential for in, with, with Maradona. Given that Gimnasia know that they're rubbish anyway, mm. um, and given that it, it's a bit of a... An unwinnable I think that the size of his name will be enough to ensure that he, he remains in charge for at least this season for as long as he wants to be I as long as he, he wants up after, yeah. after five matches then I, can understand it, but I don't think that will happen we'll be good to see what, what he can do with these players because of course he won't be able to sign any other players mm. uh, until December at least yeah. yes and, and, and uh, he can choose the, 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 the staff the, the squad and well the only thing he will be able to do like we are saying uh, since since we said that Marana is going to be the coach of Gimnasia, is to motivate them, I think. I heard um, Sebastian Mendes is apparently his assistant. Yes. And it, he did want uh, Batistuta. He but did. Batistuta had to turn him down because of health reasons. Yeah, yeah, well. because Batistuta's going in for some surgery on his on own his health problems knee, or something, yeah. right? On his ankle or knee or something, yeah. Um, Dan Edwards has tweeted me, I've just seen, because I was flicking through my own Twitter account. When Gimnasia visit Argentinos, uh, right, that's what we were saying. But yes. That's this why is, you mentioned yes. this. Yes, sorry, we, so I'll, I'll just stop reading that. Um, Lee Bartlett says, There is Pedro Damian Monson at Argentino de Quilmes, but are there any other once big-time players managing further down the leagues in Argentina? Well, first of all, if you give it 12 months, then Diego Maradona will be managing in the second division. Um, was Monson a big name? He's reasonably. I mean, I'm surprised that a non-Argentine is considering yeah. him a big name, but I would say that here, yeah, yeah. just about. Um, my favourite favorite one is um, what I've mentioned a few times, I think, on the podcast. El Lobo Cordone. Uh, Daniel Cordone, ex-Newcastle United superstar, who's at Leandro N. Alem in the Primera D. That work? Yeah, I think that you're... Uh, Wireless mouse is, I think the battery's running out then because it's, it's reacting. Oh, it just changed that. Um, it's not working anyway. It, it just suddenly stopped working properly anyway. Yeah. It, it's still moving at times and then it stops working. <laughs> um, can we think of any others? I'm not really up to date with who's in charge of whom in the lower division. It's very hard to keep track of. Oh. Uh, I'm, um, it's not a big football name, but it is a big um, name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis Ventura. The media personality, big yes. celebrity, is the coach of uh, Victoriano Arenas, who are in the Primera C, the club who have Why? the stadium on the Little Island. Why is that? Because he likes it. He's a support, uh, yeah. supporter and, and decided to take part of the team. 
Good grief. Okay. Luis Ventura, who was previously um, with Maradona in Riestra. They worked mm. together in those two clubs. Yes, of course. Yeah, in, yeah. Those, in that one club. His, his brother does some sort of pet detective business, I think. Uh, Lee, <laughs> Lee also says, Will a Might be the best joke you've ever told, Sam. Thank you. Will Estudiantes have any ramp-up games at their rebuilt ground before the big opening? I believe they're planning... Uh, I mean, they must be doing some for safety like assessments, right? I think even those exist even in Argentina, I'm pretty sure. I've heard that they're going to stage their Santiago Acasivar's uh, retirement send-off game in 2030, more or less. Oh, very good. I see what you did there. I was getting very confused for a moment. And then, yeah. Uh, they will presumably have some kind of reserve matches or under 20 something, matches or yeah. something like that uh, for, for assessment reasons. Because although health and safety in Argentina is, let's say, not as officious mm. as it is in uh, the countries that most of our listeners are from, uh, it does exist here in some I don't know if we other. mentioned this the other day, but they had to send out volunteers to... To repaint the, um, yeah, the seats. they've been in the sun for so long that they've faded. They've been there since 2009, right? Something yeah. like that, something crazy. Yeah, since the, uh, since the former president started building the ground. Indeed. Um, we have mocked Estudiantes quite relentlessly, largely prompted by Lee's questions about when the new stadium's <laughs> going to be opened, actually, it has to be said, um, for, for the amount of time they've taken to put together this stadium. So I'm going to take the opportunity as well to say one good thing about it. Apparently it's going to be the first stadium in the world... Um, that's got green as an environmentally friendly certification. Uh, they're going to have, um, uh, I mean, obviously, like the, the water collection systems and stuff that a lot of modern stadiums have to, to water the grass, but they're also going to have solar panels on the roof. Uh, it's going to be all self-powered um, and things like that. It was quite interesting, actually. I was reading an article about it. A it's good for them to envisage an opening where there is no more uh, petroleum or, yeah. or oil available. I think that's very... Very forward thinking once they get around to inaugurating the stadium. Especially in a country which seems so tied to petroleum and oil uh, through, you know. No, I mean they're actually going to open it on the day where our our oil resources run out. Okay, yes. Uh, Dakota Andres says recently Nahuel Barrios of San Lorenzo has been linked to. Columbus Crew. That, that's actually an, Argent, uh, an American <laughs> club called Columbus Crew. Uh, how do you think he would adapt to MLS? To which one answer is, don't watch a lot of MLS, so don't really know. But another answer is, players of his quality and similar quality to Tend him to have gone to well, MLS yeah. in recent years and have torn it up. Um, so, that's... He's got the profile, yeah. I, I think he could do with a little bit longer in Argentina, because uh, he's still really young, right? He's like 18 or 19. Very possibly. Um, and obviously, Ezequiel Barco is probably... Uh, the, the best example of a player of, of similar quality who's moved to MLS and hasn't immediately hit the ground running. Um, although he is now, from what I hear, starting to show his, his level as well. So I would think that Barrios, maybe, if I'm a Columbus crew, I'd, I'd want to do some kind of deal whereby they get first dibs, but he stays with San Lorenzo for maybe another year just to make sure. Unless he's a little bit older than I think he is. Well, he's it's a bit older than Barco was. Barco was yeah. like 17, right? When yeah, 17 yeah. No, Barrios is a little bit older. I assume he's a Columbus Crew supporter. That's why he asked, is he asking, he's asking this question. But, uh, well, it's we don't know that, but uh, there are players that have been have moved to the MLS and have stayed for a long time. So, uh, 
So, for example, well, Columbus Crew, they yes. had um, Guillermo Barres Quilos. Yes, yes. He was they, they, a he star became champion. Of legend. Became yeah. champion there and also the coach, right? Uh, and Diego Valeri, for example, in Portland Timbers, Uruti, the former new striker, I don't remember the team he is at, but there are a lot of Federico Guainde. Mm. Uh, he had been there a lot of time. Yeah. So there are players that, that, that find a place to live and they, they, they are at ease are they with the MLS. So we, who knows? Barrios is but, 21. Oh. Ah, okay, so, right. He is a bit. The uh, thing is, he's very, very small. Which Yes, which is yeah, why he's very, yes. very uh, diminutive. He's a bit like Sean Wright Phillips, who the combination of being small and also, yes. in his case, being black and a lot See, of the similar. UK media being surprisingly racist it led is. to him being described as young Sean Wright Phillips when yes. he was still like 28 or 29. 156 centimetres, uh, Noel Barrios, which puts him in almost Buonanotte, Maxim Morales yeah. territory. Similar to Luciano Acostas, the, uh, the former also Boca midfielder. Uh, who I think he's also one hundred one meter and sixty centimeters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Paul is asking the big questions: Julio Grondona or Boris Johnson? Who is the better leader? Uh, well, obviously Grondona. In one sense, obviously. In one sense, it's an unfair question because Julio Grondona has been dead for five years. Yes. Um, but in another sense, surprisingly close, in spite of the fact that Julio Grondona has been dead for five years. Um, but. On the other hand, if you're talking about Julio Grandona when he was alive, I think there's absolutely no contest. Yeah. His dad says, I mean, you can, you know, disagree. You can or question his ethics, question his methods, uh, but you can't question their for either of them, efficiency. Yeah. Um, but Grandona is undeniably better at getting people on side than yes. Boris Johnson is. Yes. And Darren also says, who is in charge of the app these days? Which leads me to suspect that Darren's not been listening to Hand of Pod very mm-hmm. much over the last couple of years, because you should know the answer to that, Darren. AFA president uh, Claudio Chiqui Tapia is... Jason Longshore says, how did Defensa y Justicia get their name? I believe without uh, Googling or Wiccan, it w- comes out of a, a mutual association or something along those lines. Am I right? They were owned by, um, or they, they were the work team or something of, of a bus company. That's what I'm getting at, yeah. saw it. Um, Hence the... The colours as well, because that was the library of the bus company, green and yellow. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that you're right. It, it was the name of the company that owned yeah. the bus company, which was a mutual association. Um, yeah, that's the short answer. Excellent. Well, and indeed the long answer. According to Wikipedia... Oh, the long answer, Andres, because you've got the Wikipedia. No, but according to Wikipedia, it's strange because according to the Spanish version of Wikipedia, there's a group of friends that put the name and they, no one remembers why. Is that Oh, wow, well, okay. That's a it's just well the face of justicia and <laughs> I mean, was like that. That that manages to be both in a way more interesting than what we said, and in another way very very unsatisfying. Uh, Lawrence Hart says with four of England's top teams having I'm, I'm really flattered by this because it, it shows that some people at least still consider Manchester United to be one of England's top teams. With four of England's top teams having Argentine second choice goalkeepers, can the panel answer? Why is Argentina so good at producing quality bench warming keepers? <sighs> ah. oh. Is there something about the temperament? I mean, you've got to have a certain temperament to be like a career second choice goalkeeper. It, yeah, it's a very possibly. particular role. Um, I think it's just that they're not stupid and they, they're all keepers who have played elsewhere in kind of lower tier clubs. And they see a good deal when they so, know a good deal when they see it. And so the if someone's going to pay him a hundred grand a week to sit on the bench, 
They're not going to say no. So the actual answer is the Argentine economy has been screwed since before all the well before Dan and I got here, and Argentines know to Just take a well paid job a gift in, a very high in the mouth, basically. Yeah. Andres, do you have any theories? Well, it's the, the, to start with the goalkeeper position is a special one, and they don't get the spot, and this is it because uh, unless they are injured or they have a pro- big problem or a silly silly goal, they won't get the. the be off of the, the position. Uh, and yes, it's anyway strange that, for example, Will Caballero and Romero are one, two of, I remember so easily, that they are they are as substitutes and they can't move and be there. Who are the other two, by the way, out of England's four top teams? Uh, that's what I was wondering. Gazzaniga, I assume, is... Gazzaniga yes. in Tottenham, and I know Arsenal did have a... The Crystal Palace was... Who? No, I would say I'm not sure, but I doubt that Lawrence is talking about um, Crystal Palace when he refers to four of England's top teams. Arsenal right. had a lad okay. Martinez, is that right? I don't know if he's now the second choice. Now oh, the yeah, left okay, so he must be one of them, yeah. And then the yeah. other one would be Gassaniga, no, Gassaniga and Martinez with Cavachero and Romero and Cavachero. Oh, Cavachero is still at Man City and Chelsea. Oh, at Chelsea, of course, he is, right? Yeah, okay. So, in fact, Lawrence is being generous not just to Manchester United but also to Chelsea uh, in his wording of that question um, and the other question is from David Novoshevsky who says how keenly will San Lorenzo feel the loss of Senesi it's, it's Marcos Senesi isn't yes. it right yes I think I was trying to remember the first name um, what well, do I think San Lorenzo have like 60 players I think they'll be alright yes but I don't know who he will replace him with uh, the, the centre back they yes. sort of they've it's not got a, a whole load of options to partner Fabrizio Colocini um, I guess Santiago Bergini is going to be ah, the, yes. the sort of yeah. most natural replacement who in, on his recent form I mean largely on the form of last season would, would be a bit of a step down but then San Lorenzo as a whole team are in much better form than they were last season. But so. Bergini uh, went up, signed for free, while Sanesi has left for seven, mi- which is cheap, I think. But seven million or so euro. He's left, has he? Yes. He's been sold. Fair I've completely missed this. I, I've yes. been doing a fairly mm. big editing. Yes, he. When did this happen? Since just just before the the, the transfer window uh, closed, uh, he has moved to Feyenoord. Oh, good right. grief! I'm, I'm going to have to pull <laughs> you up on your wording there, Andres. By the way, in, in English media cliche terms, we say the transfer window slams shut. Oh, slams so shut. You have to yes. have to learn that. It doesn't just close. It slams. Um, I, I just I am just trying to say doesn't, and you are asking me that. Indeed. Uh, sorry. Anyway, those are all the questions for this week. Um, as I said before, if you want to hear a discussion, a little potted history of Diego Maradona as football manager then get on to patreon.com slash handofpod and show us the money. Um, If you want to watch Argentine football, then sign up for a seven-day free trial. And after that, maybe don't do this for another week because there obviously isn't any Argentine domestic football this weekend due to the international break. Um, But when it does return this time next week, Mm -hmm. uh, get a seven-day free trial followed by 20% off your first three months at Fanatis by going to fntz.co slash hop and using the discount code HOPFZ. Definitely do it before Sunday the 15th at 3pm British summertime because then you'll get to see Maradona's yes. 
uh, debut. Indeed you will. Uh, there are other clubs who are not Gimnasia tweeting, welcome Diego to Argentine football. We've just seen all the terms of defence. DC and Banfield are doing it. It's going to be interesting. It's yeah, as we said. I wonder whether River Plate have done it. That's a... There might be one of the, probably Estudiantes and River might be the... The two who don't. The two uh, who abstain. Attorney Rodriguez, sir. Yes. Um, we are going, we're about to, uh, to, to give that little potted history. Anyway, for now, uh, to you lot who are mere mortal <laughs> listeners to Hand of Pod, we're going to bid farewell. Thank you for listening to us for another week, and we'll see you again next week. Uh, bye from English Town. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. From Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. quick score update and it's going to be very quick uh, in the glorious Los Angeles Coliseum which I was just introduced to tonight on the television, looks lovely Argentina and Chile have just drawn nil-nil in a match uh, which was exactly as thrilling as that scoreline makes it sound, Lucas Martinez Cuarta hit the crossbar with a header from a corner with about 10 minutes to go um, and then forced Claudio Bravo into a save with about half a second left from also from a corner and that was about it really see you next week